0: Hi, I'm JT White, author, digital native, and product person, obsessed with trying to find out how to make digital products and the people that make them the best we possibly can. This is Build For Better. My guest today is Tom Goodwin. Tom is a writer, speaker, author, and consultant. He's been voted a top 10 voice in marketing by LinkedIn, one of 30 people to follow on Twitter by Business Insider, and a must follow by Fast Company. More importantly to me, he is a friend, a mentor, a sounding board, and one of the most brutally honest and intelligent people that I've gotten to spend time with. This is Tom. So my guest today is Tom Goodwin, and Tom, before we do anything, I'm gonna, I want to I want to start immediately with a question about you. And before I get to the question, I'm going to give people a little context cuz I do think it matters that almost all of this, the book and the platform and the podcast are mostly your fault. Because you wrote a brilliant book and we talked about your brilliant book a ton. And it made me think, and I was taking a product angle and you very kindly were like, I don't know anything about what you're talking about. Someone should, did anybody write that stuff? You should write it. And then I wrote it and you wrote something back to me that I will never forget that said, I have terrible news for you. You might be an author.
1: Yes. I I mean, I mean, I mean that you might be an author and I mean that it's terrible news because it's (laughs)
0: agonizing. It's a horrible moment. <laughs> it is. So, but but it, it leads me to the thing that I'm most interested. So the episode is called Rethinking, and we'll get to all that nonsense. But what I want to talk to you specifically about is what what made me so interested in you as a human and has continued to make me so interested in you as a human, which I think is like potentially your superpower. You are so like almost aggravatingly curious about everything. Yes. And it's like a guiding principle. And I I want to start the entire conversation with, is it on purpose or is that just how you are? (laughs) Oh, it's a
1: horrible way to be. (laughs) Um, Because everything takes ages. Like at any moment in time, there's sort of 27 browser tabs open. And I know this is true for a lot of people. And maybe it's like an ADHD thing or something. But I'll end up sort of, I don't know, this morning I really had to get something out. Um, and I was looking into different Saudi headscarves um, because somehow when I was reading an article, there was a kind of clip with MBS. And then that sort of reminded me that when I was in Saudi, everyone seemed to have the same headscarf. And that seemed quite strange to me. But then some people had different colored ones. And I spent about 30 minutes looking into all the different colors for the headscarves. Okay. Um, and then invariably I ended up sort of thinking about, you know, Saudi-Palestinian relationships. And I started looking into the sort of borders. Um, various different countries and yeah, somehow it ended up sort of with me taking about an hour to do something that should have taken about a minute and it was sort of great and fun but it's just how everything in my life is which is wildly inefficient um, but sort of somewhat interesting Um, but I I think it's probably a curse I mean I'm very happy with everything about my life um, but it does just you know I, I sort of feel like the the internet is something to finish you know and I know I'll never get there.
0: Well, God bless you for trying. So so speaking of the internet, right? So I think a lot of people who are familiar with you are I like, do you like the term provocateur or do you think that that's like really annoying and obnoxious?
1: It's not the worst thing I get called, but it's almost the worst thing.
0: It's got to um, be close.
1: Well, because it, it, it judges intentions.
0: Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: So contrarian is, is my sort of red button, which means I start to sort of smash people in the face. <laughs> But provocateur just sort of, you know, like obviously you can sort of frame it in a way which seems sort of quite, you know, joke based. You can sort of think of it as being sort of like light hearted, but ultimately there's, there's something about it which is sort of rooted in this need to get a response. Um, And there's nothing about that at all with me. Like, um, I think it's part of the process of being very curious. I'm fascinated to know what people think. And I love the idea that people are able to to write back to me. And that's why I love sort of online, you know, cyber domains. Uh, because it has this sort of interactive media element that we talked about in 1997. And where you know what people think. And actually, that's why writing a book is kind of horrible, because you've got no idea what people are thinking as you as you write. But no, so for me, it's really, really interesting and important that at this moment in time on the planet, we have really good conversations about stuff. Um, I don't know if nuclear power is a good idea. I don't know if EVs are going to reach 30% or 90% saturation. I don't know what interest rates really mean for the wider American economy. I don't really know anything. Um, And one really good way to learn is to have your own opinions and to express them and then see what people who know a lot more than you uh, think about uh, those things. As it happens, you know, those things tend to get noticed when they're more punchy. Uh, Those things tend to get noticed when they're more different to what people expect you to think. Um, And therefore, people quite often stumble across my stuff, which is more outlandish and more um, sort of grumpy um and more sort of uh sort of aggressively written and then they sort of come to the wrong conclusion about who i am but but that's how life is
0: yeah so that's so i i find that interesting because it, like we're friends like you and i are actually yeah. friends and i don't want to hide that on this podcast like we're proper yeah. friends yeah so it's it's always fascinating for me when i mention you because i get like <laughs> one of three very specific not, him. not that good. Well, no, no, no. Well, that's one of them. <laughs> but like, I get one of three responses. One of them is, oh my God, I love him. He, yeah. Is he as smart as he is on the internet? And I'm like, he's even smarter. <laughs> the second one is that guy is the worst. Yes. Right? They're like, and it's because, and, and I, of course, can't help myself. My question then, and this is how we're going to get into the rethinking part of this. Yes. In that moment, I always go, why do you think that? Like, is it because you disagree with what he's saying? Is it because you don't understand what he's doing? Or is it for some other reason where you think he's smug, which it, it, it's, that's okay. Like you're allowed to do that. The internet's, that's allowed. And the third the third one is I actually think probably the, the most interesting is people are genuinely confounded about what is like really you, who you really are. Yeah, Because they can't tell if it's like an act or if it's like a character that you're Because like a lot of people- who, who gain a following that get into that topic yeah, yeah, yeah. voices kind of turn into a parody account at some point. Yes. Right. And so people go, is he really that curious? Does he really like want to, is he really thinking about all these things to which I can usually, and like, honestly can respond. I'm like, yeah, probably. Yes. Like I've been with him and we've gotten down some super weird rabbit holes because he saw a scarf. And yeah. <laughs> and you just wind up talking about knitting for two hours or whatever.
1: I mean, these things are mainly uh, laziness. You know, like, can you imagine how much effort it must spend, it must take, you know, in order to come across as being something else? Um, yeah. You know, can you imagine how tiring it must be to have a strategy for these things? You know, have like a committee looking through your sort of drunken rants, you know, saying, you know, this one's more on brand than another. No, it's, it's just me. I mean, the, the only thing that distorts the, uh, you know, the algorithms act in a certain way that means if you say, you know, oh, isn't the sea beautiful today? Um, it, it's probably not going to go viral. You know, if you say, I just went on the Audi website and it's actually pretty good, um, then it's not going to really get that much attention. It, it's only really when when your material ends up going close to a nerve that it tends to spark. And that doesn't mean that I change what I write or how I write it in order to make the most of that. It just means that naturally people will sort of, quote unquote, discover my stuff, you know, when it is something that's, that's um, more aggravating to people.
0: So the reason what I want to talk about with rethinking, right? So one of the things that you've taught me that I'm like super grateful for, and it's something that I, to be honest, like really struggle with, like there's this part of me that like imposter syndrome is a subject you and I have talked about personally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I struggle with it because, well, I just struggle with it. It doesn't matter why, but what's interesting and what I've always really appreciated about you is that I see the way that I see your text most of the time is through the lens of who i know you to be as a person which is genuinely curious but also a student of humanity which means that you can't just go what's everybody think about electric vehicles you have to take a stance and then you you make an informed stance and then you learn through discussion
1: i think that's right i mean again these things are not as um they, they haven't been done with enough thought as to make them a strategy Right, I am just, uh, You know, what's the sort of famous quote? You know, the, the, the fastest way to get a correct answer is to post the wrong answer on the internet. Um, I think there's a bit of that. Um, I'm not some sort of saint, but I do like to lead by example. And I think if you are open about the fact that you don't think you know the answer, I think that's quite a good thing for the world to be full of people that are, uh, are posing questions that they're not yet decided on. Um, I make a habit of posting about things that are not that helpful to my career. Um, I used to, at one point I, I, um, had a post-it note on my computer saying what good can come of this, you know, because, you know, ultimately, you know, 99% of the things that I talk about are not particularly advantageous to my career. Uh, they're not very detrimental, but you know, most people are supposed to have like a swim lane and they're supposed to have a sort of a, a tone. Um, but I just decided that, um, no, i I'd, I'd rather enjoy learning from people that know a lot more. Um, it's really, really important that we use this moment in time to have quite good conversations about stuff, and you know, maybe, maybe it's race relations, maybe it's um, you know poverty, maybe it's uh, the fact that we don't talk about class, maybe it's um, nuclear power, maybe it's you know car ownership, maybe it's high speed rail, uh, maybe it's the fact that the world seems to be led by the most inept politicians we've ever known. Um, maybe this no one seems to care about education anymore. You know, maybe it's the social media sort of uh, destroying many people's lives. You know, these, seems like, these things seem like things that are worth discussing. Um, and I'm always quite surprised how um, reluctant people in their normal digital lives are to talk about this stuff. Um, and especially when you go through a period like the pandemic, you end up not having those conversations at all. Um, because people aren't meeting in the kind of the safe places where people can discuss those things more freely.
0: Okay. So brass tacks, right? So I agree with almost everything you said. And for, for the most part, I think that one of the things that I've been on sort of a, I don't know, a walkabout, (laughs) whatever you want to call it, trying to figure out like, so how do you influence those conversations and make them happen? So like, as an example, and it's a, it's a shit example, but it's a real one. Like the reason that I, one of the reasons that I published my book the way I did is because I have friends like you who wrote stuff and then you would write a book and I want to talk to you about it. And so now I have to like call you or tweet you or whatever, as opposed to like having an open discussion and learning in public. Right. Like that was sort of why I I thought the platform was fun, because I was like, if I'm going to write and people are going to tell me I'm an idiot, I'd rather they do it publicly because then I can admit that I was an idiot. And then they can also be a part of writing the book. Like how do how do companies do that? How does it how do individuals actually go about like making that change and having discourse that doesn't suck? Because most of the discourse sucks.
1: Um, I don't know, because I don't think anyone's come close to doing it. I mean, I think um, I'm only able to say what I say, um, not because I'm somehow smarter and I'm sort of reading clever stuff. I'm not, I'm not having thoughts that other people don't have. Um, I don't actually think I've got that much courage, to be honest, either. You know, it'd be quite easy to be like, oh, you're brave. Like, no, I'm not. Um, I just don't really have a filter and it's all I know how to be. Um, And the reality is, I do think we are in an environment, in an environment where people are reading the room quite correctly. And actually, people are, you know, getting enormous amounts of trouble for asking questions um, because people read into that question a sort of presupposition about what that question was really about. Um, You know, the onus now is not on people to is to avoid people being able to take offence. And it actually appears that people can take offence even when there's no offence to be taken. Um, you know, pe- people pe- people, all the time um, seem to have quite a strong idea about what my opinions must be on all sorts of things that I've never expressed them on. Um, and they assume certain things about me and my character. And it, it really doesn't bother me, to be honest, because they're just strangers. Um, you know, we're not we're not really born into a world like this. You know, we're born to sort of live in a village um, and to sort of get married to someone that you know, ideally doesn't have rickets. (laughs) Um, Ideally, you know, if you're a man, maybe they might sort of give birth to lots of children in case they all die quite early on. Um, And we're supposed to only really have about, you know, nine or 10 people that know who we are. Um, You know, that's supposed to be life. Like this idea that you sort of worry about your life's purpose or that you'd um, sort of be jealous of someone 10 fields over that you heard about once um you know we 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 we're, we're, we're kind of much closer to being sort of primeval animals than we are ready for um the world of today um so I, I you know i tend to sort of not really care too much about what people are thinking
0: but should we though like especially like i'm going to come at this from a very product angle right so like yeah. when you create spaces for people to communicate which is what you're talking about all these places like we've created new channels and new fields for people to yell at each other from right? yeah. So like when you create them is the onus on the 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 companies to like just do the the least that they could do to make it so that it's not vitriol or are we going to fuck it up no matter what so who cares
1: yeah, these are very good questions, actually, which I don't think I've got very good answers to. Um, I mean, is there a commercial responsibility?
0: Is there a legal responsibility? Is there a, a moral responsibility? I would go moral. Listen, co- commercial, like, especially in this country, like, yeah. lit- litigation's out. But let's, let's talk morally. Like, if you're I mean, making products, <laughs> if you're making a digital product with the intention of, of giving people access to communication and each other more intelligently, right, do you have a moral obligation to make it so that people are... It safe, question mark? I don't know if that's even the right word, but.
1: I've got two angles to this almost. I mean, one is um, it's amazing how ill-prepared most people in technology seem to be How to, to how people will end up using this stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievably obvious to me that if you let people have a camera connected to the internet that allows them to broadcast what they're doing in real time, um, it seems obvious that at some point someone's going to shoot up a whole group of people and video it. You know yeah. that's not like an extraordinary thing that no one could foresee. Um, that's extremely likely. The question is how long it takes and how often it happens. Um, but it's always amazing to me how naive technology people are about the realities of of, of human life. Um, at the same time, I, I don't. These things are quite new to us, so we don't really know what the responsibility is. And actually, almost all technology really is a sort of mirror to us as humans. Um, and it doesn't make us more human. It just makes it easier to see how human we are. So it exaggerates our faults. It exaggerates how amazing we are. It exaggerates how lonely we are. It exaggerates how paranoid we are. You know, these devices are just sort of levers to be even more human. Um, and therefore, I think as long as you go into these things with a pretty good um, understanding of human nature, um, it's quite easy to sort of see what will happen. There's another thing which is about our expectations, Um, I find i know this isn't a podcast about advertising, but I find the whole brand safety issue very interesting, Um, because if you're a brand and you end up having your ads placed on a sort of shitty place, you know, that place exists because quite a lot of people are shitty. You know, people have bad taste, like they, they like watching people say outrageous things. And for a long time, brands would be happy to appear on sort of places that were a bit uncomfortable, like the news or something because there was this tacit realization that those brands are not endorsing, you know, conflict in the Gulf, the first Gulf War. Um, they're the people that are allowing this stuff to happen and the, the quality of reporting to happen. And I think we're in this weird point where no one really knows what the responsibility is and what it isn't. And sometimes I think technology companies should take way more responsibility. And sometimes I think it's okay if they take less. So.
0: It's it's that's interesting. I, I've... I don't know that I can think of a place where I think they should would should take less, because my my, my like you we've talked about this. One of my favorite things yeah. to say is that like I, I don't think we've ever seen great digital products. I think we've just seen the best that we have. I still think most of them are shit, including the ones that I've been a part of. Like that, all of them are as good as we know them to be, but that none of them are great. Because yeah. I do think that fundamentally, if you're doing it well, if you're building a product and building a company then there is a moral, not obligation, but like a responsibility that you should just inherently have into the things that you build. And more importantly, because you can't, I agree with you that you should be able to assume what will happen. It's, it's always it's like the AI generative AI, AI art stuff for me is very funny because I'm like, did you not think it was going to be porn? Like, how do you think that was going to end? Like, especially when you put it in Discord, like everyone in Discord is a young man and you yeah. just said, hey, you can now make porn. Like it's going to happen it's going to be the fourth prompt
1: like the first one's going to be something really wholesome the second one there was a temptation the third one they were going to do it and then they changed their mind the fourth one's definitely going to
0: be poor the fourth one's porn. but i yeah. think what's interesting is like as a comp- as companies right and even as individuals i would hope that once you see that pattern that's where the moral responsibility kicks in it's okay to miss it it's okay to not know what's going to happen or be blind to it and think better of humanity and then be be told wrong over and over again. But then like to you're complicit if you do nothing and go, well, that got out of hand. Just kind of stand back and go, I guess it's okay now. This space is now, that's just what this space is. As opposed to stepping in and going, okay, look, you can have opinions and we can like have discourse, but also you can just like not be an asshole about it.
1: Yeah. I'm always quite interested with the question, you know, are these people really stupid or are they evil and sort of strategic? And I think quite often it's a little bit of both. I think um, you know uh, they don't normally necessarily have the sort of diversity of thought on their team. I think to ensure that people have really gone about um, figuring out how this may be used by more normal people. Um, I also think I mean maybe it's not something you want to talk about, but I'd quite like to, which is um, you know what happens in big groups of company, uh, big groups of people, to make mediocrity um, so likely to to come about. You know, I'm, you know, I probably have this reputation for being quite sort of curmudgeonly, um, but it's because technology is amazing and we could be making extraordinary digital products. You know, you go on something like um, Dribble, and you sort of see what the process of, you know, changing your seat on a plane could be, or you see what the bank account of the future could be. And then you sort of go on the Bank of America website and you think that maybe it's a, a cyber hack because it's sort of so atrociously designed. Um, I'm sort of fascinated to know what happens, um, to large groups of people that make it acceptable to, to spout enormous amounts of bullshit, not say anything interesting and then do something quite bad.
0: Well, from, well, I mean, I'll give you my product perspective on it, particularly just because when you think about like the tipping point and also like my career in particular, like I, I almost intentionally vanish after companies get to 150 people or more. And it's because I do think that you get to this level of like, once you have three levels, if you have to ask upwards of three people, if you can do a thing, you're going to start doing less school things.
1: Like I think it's just inherently
0: what happens. And then you wind up, everything winds up being designed by committee and you wind up with like these huge groups, which I think was and like, look, if you, if you think about like lean and agile, which are really, really great principles, but they're almost impossible to do at scale with mm-hmm. huge huge companies because we have 16 different teams all running their own agile process. Mm-hmm. Now what? Like now like <laughs> like now you have to hire an army of people to conduct the trains.
1: And, and it all seems to be done without a vision, you know. I, I, like uh, this is where I'm definitely at the end of my sort of knowledge. But I imagine Excel probably now is like a 2 gigabyte download. Like it, it's probably been updated you know probably every you know two weeks with a security patch and a sort of big update every two year every sort of uh, six months and it's probably doing exactly what it did for most people you know ten years ago and i and I, and I wonder if all these people are just sort of being busy because they're supposed to be busy um you know you you look at the sort of iOS updates and you think that's an enormous amount of time and effort being into maintaining something which is I, I mean it's very good but if you would taken a hundred people given them a billion dollars a year um, over the last five years to just go reimagine what a phone could be. Um, you know, what is a, a, an operating system that works around people's needs rather than is sort of constrained by by software and programs. You know, you'd probably be looking at something which could transform the sort of face of, of mobile computing um, rather than something that sort of, you know, has like a, an emoji or whatever it's called.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, you don't. You don't want to have this whole podcast done with you as a unicorn, Tom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe a unicorn.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I think. Well, it's an interesting. It's an interesting problem set, right? Because yeah. ultimately, these like usually really, really small companies build really cool things. Yes. They become really big companies. Really big companies become publicly traded. Publicly traded companies have shareholders, and it switches from are we building cool things to are we yeah. making revenue. Yeah, And and I would argue that when you look at specifically like mobile infrastructure is a really good example of this. So is like uh, internet browsers, like the fact that none of them play together and the fact that everything's a walled garden, mostly because of advertising, to be honest, Mm -hmm. but because they don't, they're like, they're disincentivized to work together to make things better. Which means yeah. they don't have the best minds all working together. They have the, some of the best minds in a hole with other best minds in the same hole, and yeah. then they're both running at the same problem without talking to one
1: another. Yeah, yeah,
0: and that sucks.
1: I mean, I, I you know Excel is an interesting choice because it's obviously fine. Like there's there's, there's no one that's being grumpy about Excel today probably, and then you get things like Teams, which just doesn't really work. You know, but it's kind of fine because, you know, I guess people are okay with that. But then there are entire sort of systems or structures. I mean, I look at online advertising today and I think, I don't think anyone, you know, if a sort of group of 500 people sat in a room and they just sort of watched someone browsing the internet, either with an ad blocker on or off, you know, I don't think after an hour, you know, people would be comfortable with the idea that this is a kind of trillion dollar industry. Like, I think there would be a sense that, you know, it'd be quite nice to just get a beautifully shot uh, rice cooker. You know, that that would be like a nice advert for me. I'm not remotely interested in buying a, a rice cooker, but if it was shot in a nice way, I might. Um, you know, how is it that we sort of let a system with so much money and so much time and energy and passion um, and money just end up being so unfit for purpose? Um, and it's explainable, but I don't think it's okay.
0: So okay, so advertising, like the, the digital advertising space, I think in particular is probably too far gone because between yeah. the programmatic ecosystem and the you know death of display and now video ads, I mean it's like I I actually am very bullish on what video means. Like the yeah. once, the yeah, further yeah, yeah. away that we get from three hundred by two fifty random banners, yeah. like the better chance that we're gonna have. And, and look, I'm building a platform now specifically that's trying to make video more accessible because video is hard and it shouldn't be. Like yeah. there's a bunch of really smart kids on TikTok who make themselves look like, brilliant all the time. Like why can't advertisers do the same?
1: And it can be amazing as well. I mean like a, a beautiful six-second
0: video is something that adds joy to your life. So. Yeah, yeah it's, really, it's really fun. But when you think about – so advertising aside, but just in general, like how do we guard against that? So like as these new things come up, right? So like the entire EV space is an interesting example, right? Like that's still, it's not new, but it's still new-ish, right? They have a lot of growth that they have to figure out. How do they, what, what can they do as organizations and as leaders to make sure that that shit doesn't happen to them?
1: Yes. Well, I guess because I'm partly in that world at the moment, that's why these questions are front and center for me, because you sit in meetings um, and you think, do people really think this is good enough or are they just trying to get home? Um, are people too scared, too scared to sort of say what they really think because they want to get labeled sort of disruptive? Um, do people just have poor taste? Um, do people have a really limited sense of what is ambition versus utter recklessness? Um, you know, in particular, I, I see people benchmarking themselves against companies that are not very good. You, know, it's, um, you can imagine sort of Chase having a meeting where they're saying, well, as long as we're better than Bank of America. And you think, well, what about N26 or Monzo or, you know, what about this, you know, 15 year old from Serbia's work on dribble? You know, right. they've just sort of shown us something that's, that's, that's way better. Uh, you know, so I, I, I ask these things as questions, actually, because I don't understand what's going on. You know, maybe, maybe people just want to get home on time and um, make happy hour or something.
0: I think people probably do want to make happy hour. I think <laughs> I think America in particular has proven that to be the case. You want
1: know, to feel proud? Like, like, am I just sort of really idealistic?
0: But, like,
1: um, you know, beer is nice. And, uh, you know, watching people sort of throw things around a green field is nice. Playing golf is lovely. But it's kind of nice to just sort of, you know, stand a little bit tall as you're walking towards your car in the car park and just be like, yeah, you know. That's gonna make me feel good. I'm gonna tell people about that during the happy hour. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm unusual.
0: I don't. I don't think that's unusual. I think it yeah. depends on. I think. Well, I think it depends on a lot of things, right? I mean, like I. I think the the idea. Well, first of all, br- branding, and this is something that where I'm over my skis now, and I'm walking into your role a little bit more. Yeah. But like brand affinity to me, specifically, because I'm like now I get to hire and work with like Gen Z. It yeah. just doesn't exist. Like, there's a couple. There's some level of that, but like, you know, I, I, you and I are both car people, so we love cars. So it's a really easy place for us to land on. I'm interested in the electronic side of things just because I'm like, okay, if you can get all the things that I love about cars and make it better for the environment, and make it safer, and make it more sustainable, and you know, change the whatever, I'm, I would, I would take pride in it. But then also the first 10 years of cars that they were making with EVs, they made them look as poorly as they possibly
1: could. Do you think that was a sort of deliberate attempt to to sabotage the market? Or do you think they completely misunderstood the consumer?
0: Well, I, I, it's a good question. I don't know. I know. What I know is that I'm a huge car person, right? And yeah. so I love cars and I would be very open to – something but instead they came out with i don't want to pick on toyota but they came out with the prius and i was like who's that for i'm not going to get rid of all these race cars i've been i'm i grew up with fast and furious you can't show me a dodge charger Mm -hmm. and a supra and then go meet me here's a prius like what am i the leaves leaves, they grow on the dashboard (laughs) cool
1: (laughs) super cool Maybe they should have learned from that. And then in the sort of the petrol version, you could have seen all the sort of leaves dying and sort of.
0: Yeah, just a dead tree. <laughs> <laughs> like a
1: power station. Belt but I,
0: th- I think the thought process that goes into that as a product person is fascinating to me, right? Like, and even like now I will pick on a brand because I, I love them. So I don't feel bad about it. Yeah. <clears throat> BMW. I've, I've, I've loved BMW for a long time for racing purposes. And they're a ton of fun. And I've yeah. owned quite a few of them and I've gotten to build some of them and whatever. Their first swing at electric cars, again, I was like, why are you not making the cars that you make but electric? Instead, you're doing this weird Darth Vader grill, and you built this toaster on wheels that (laughs) flies around that's like super not economical for people to use as a car. It's cool, but it's an efficient vehicle. I just don't understand what goes into the product design there, where you go, we have this thing that we know people love, and we're going to introduce a new piece of it that it can do all the same things, but in a different way. And we're going to go completely right field and do something completely new. Like I fail to understand that. I I don't understand that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can offer a little bit of an insight into that if it
0: helps. I would love it. Yeah. For everybody.
1: (laughs) I mean, I, I think it made sense that for some car companies, um, EVs basically change almost all of the fundamental design assumptions that you have to make about a car, which I'm sure you know, but for readers, it basically sort of re-engineers the entire sort of, you know, fabric of the car and um, everything that you think must be fitted into a particular place no longer has to be. And I think in a way, what that probably turned into is something like a car blanche, which basically said to everyone across the entire company we need to challenge everything we know um, everything should be different this is not car making this is consumer electronics you know everything that used to be paint can now be an led everything that used to be a an engine bay can now be a frunk and um, the wheels now need to sort of you know be worked around aerodynamicness rather than whether they can sort of look shiny on mtv videos Um, And I think people sort of took that mantra and that ethos and they thought that challenging everything meant that everything had to be different um, rather than thinking this means that things don't have to be like they used to. Um, But at that time, you know, the i3 and the i8, they were kind of like done for the press more than for the p and I think the weird thing is that when you see other car companies that are perhaps a little bit less um, indulgent, doing the same thing. So when you get kind of Kia's or Hyundai's, where any sort of normal person feels a little bit sick, you know, when their EVs go past, <laughs> it makes me think. You know, I'd quite like this sort of BMW five thirty five. You know, that just happened to have a sort of um, an, an a, a sort of electronic um, propulsion system inside. So.
0: Yeah, well, the the thing that it makes me think, and again, back to the whole rethinking concept, right? <clears throat> like just because. It was done the way before so the tesla wheel is a really good example for me right so they they redesigned it and now they have this like this, is that what it's called yeah whatever yeah like yeah. so so cool i guess that you could take a thing that can be different but also if something has existed for a very long time and it does work is there like are you redesigning it because you made it better or are you redesigning it because you can
1: I quite like that though i mean i don't I don't love Elon as a guy, um but I think it's quite nice to have people just pissing about um, yeah. you know, like in a world where everything's so the same, you know in a world where every single car app you know lets you heat up the seats before you get in, in a world where every single sort of car app you know lets you see which doors open. Um, And they're all identical to each other. It's quite nice to just think that someone was in a meeting going, why don't we change the steering wheel? And everyone's like, no, Elon, that's a terrible idea. And he's just like, no, like change the steering wheel now. I I think the world needs more people to sort of have those non-data supported, sort of idealistic, sort of mischievous things. Um, Yeah, just ideally, they don't mean that people die.
0: Yeah, that, that's bad. That's yeah. usually not a great outcome. Yeah. 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 Well, I just like him aside, I think that there's, first of all, like I love, I like the skunk work tiger team. I hate both those terms, but I like this idea yeah. of here's a couple of people who want to do something weird that we're not going to say no to for a while. Yes. Progress. And then you just see what happens. But I also think that we specifically in the tech world fall a little bit into in love with those concepts. Okay. And we go, oh, my gosh, because they 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 did this thing all by themselves in a corner and no one told them no. And so whatever they came up with must be a good idea. Sometimes those are also shit ideas.
1: Yes. Yes. It's quite hard to sort of separate out the two. I mean, I, I, I guess we do live in a world with a lot of survivorship bias.
0: Yeah. You know? tons.
1: I love the spirit of the sort of Dodge Viper and people sort of like running around a factory. So they're taking, you know signal stalks from cheaper cars and sticking it on a big engine, basically. Like, like, I love the spirit of that. But then the same spirit of that, you know, does end up with people making apps where, you know, people sort of um, do all sorts of dodgy things that I won't say. Um, right. So I, I think the sort of, the, you know, maybe, maybe intentions are, the, are an important thing to think about, maybe um, the right level of naivety. Um, you know, probably just having like adults in the room is quite a good thing. Um, I don't like the expression "liberal arts majors" because it's the sort of thing that people write on Twitter. Um, and, but, but there there is something to be said for groups of people where there are enough people that represent different vantage points that allow things to become sort of progressed, but not, you know, progressed but polished rather than, um, you know, too 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 much.
0: Yeah, I think w- one of the things that I've learned in my product journey and making stuff is that my favorite audience to test very often is the one that I know will never use it.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Like, yeah. so like very often I'll build a thing and I'll like put it in front of my dad. And I'm like, go yeah. ahead, do something cool. And he's like, what the fuck is this thing? I'm like, just just press it, see what it does. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I just want to see what that happens. And I wish bigger companies, cause like, and look, focus groups are really important and data, I my entire career is based on making informed decisions on data. I'm a product person. It's literally what I do for a living. Yes. But I do think there is space for exploration that I wish companies could figure out a way. And look, I'm counting on people like you to do this. So, you know, go do it. (laughs) But I, I wish people could figure out a way to like make it fit into their culture more. Because this idea of like innovation teams, first of all, for me personally, is infuriating. Because it's like if innovation's a separate team, you've already lost, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Like, like you're it's screwed.
1: Not the rest of the people's jobs to be innovative. Stuff.
0: Right. So if everybody else is bored and doing the thing, and these guys are going to go see what they can break, and they're not going to talk to each other until they're done and they get to do show and tell, cool. That's probably going to go really well for morale, I bet. I
1: mean, <laughs> I mean, also, things, things shouldn't be innovative, they should just be good. Um, you know, they should be ambitious. Um, but, you know, the moment I hear the word innovation, all I can see is like someone talking about Web3 right. you know, and someone else talking about I don't NFTs. Know. Yeah, it's like, no, just like have a dream for what this thing should be and don't let pragmatic things get in the way and explore the art of, of the sort of possible, you know, like elevate your standards. Um, you know, there, there's two things that really uh, concern me about this sort of general tech space. Um, so sorry if I'm appearing to be a little bit um, sort of preachy on your show, um, but there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of respect for ideas. You know, like we see a lot of the world of, of sort of products being rooted in, well, where did the founders study? You know, How much money did they raise before? How much did they sell for? You know, all I really care about is the, is the idea any good. Like, does this thing need to exist? Like, is it something that people get quite excited by? Um, is it something that you can explain in a way that makes people think, Oh, you know, can I get it now? Um, and we never seem to talk about the idea. Um, and the other thing is a bit more superficial, but it, but it's it's more sort of generally the sort of the design, you know I don't quite mean in the in the aesthetic sense, you know I mean in a slightly more sort of robust sense, but you know, is the act of using this quite delightful? And I think um we've seen a lot of that in sort of recent years start to permeate through the industry. But there's still a lot of products where I think fundamentally, this doesn't need to exist. Fundamentally, it doesn't have a good idea behind it. Fundamentally, it's not ambitious enough. Um, it doesn't really solve a problem. Like you've approached this from the wrong way. You're just trying to use a technology for the sake of it. Um, and as a result, there's all sorts of areas of our lives where actually technology could really improve how we live our lives. But we see almost no innovation or, or new entrants at all. So.
0: so how do we do that? I mean, is it venture capital? Like where does it start?
1: Um, uh, this isn't the answer, but I think, um, it'd be helpful if we fell in love with the idea of medium sized companies, um, you know, somehow if you did a word cloud of VC, it would look quite close to the sort of word cloud of, of like wall street. Like it's a very sort of aggressive world based on working hard and making tons of money. Um, you know, this is where I sound quite naive, but I imagine um, I imagine it's not easy to build a, a site that helps you find a babysitter. Um, you know, I imagine you're not going to exit for fifty billion dollars, but it's probably quite a useful thing, and you can probably make a nice amount of money from it. It probably grow quite slowly. It would probably be sort of profitable from you know quite early in. Um, you know, there, there are just sort of lots of companies that I think make good medium sized, slightly bootstrapped companies. Um, I think that's that sort of one approach that could work. Um, I think we need to sort of stop celebrating this sort of cult of the unicorn and people that sort of made it and sort of fake until you make it. I think, I think that's sort of quite detrimental for people that have ideas that are quite real. Um, I mean, sure, I almost feel like everything about VC needs to be turned on its head actually. Like almost every sort of principle that's underneath it um, needs to be sort of completely turned 180. Um, And if we had a world of the opposite, it would probably be a better one. There's obviously a happy
0: medium between the two as well. Well, it's decacorns now, by the way. It's not really. You can't be unicorns; aren't enough anymore. You have to be a decacorn.
1: There's inflation for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, from a product standpoint, I I mean, listen, the the fundraising process is a very interesting one, uh, but. Very, very interesting one. I think yeah. that I, I agree with you on the, the medium sized company thing. And and I, I want to just for the record go on like saying, like, medium sized can mean two to four hundred million dollars a year. Like, that can be a, a oh, medium sized
1: yeah. company. Yeah. <laughs> like, some of them from like a, like a garage in Fulham. Like, I'm, you can be in a penthouse apartment in the financial district. It's just that maybe you employ 20 people um, and sort of a thousand people in India, you know, not a hundred thousand people. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's a lot that I I love the difference between physical hardware products and, and digital products. And I think there's yeah. a lot that we could actually learn from the way physical yeah. products get made. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I look at those companies like especially right now, and I don't mean drop shippers, but like there's a there's a couple of really cool companies I've found in the past year or two that like are specialized companies. They they make a couple of things yes. really, really well. And they do a hundred to two hundred and fifty million dollars in revenue. And there's like <laughs> nine dudes in a garage just like peddling, you know, yeah. whatever, cups or something.
1: <laughs> and they're having a nice time and they're just thinking a bit. You know, they're probably not looking at dashboards. They're probably just going out for a walk, thinking about new things to do. Um, yeah yeah. You no, know, it's 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 um it's it's a big thing for me. Like this this stuff kind of really matters actually. And I think um and, and maybe a bit more ambition as well. I quite often see people trying to sort of gather a little bit of the pie they can own rather than solve for the whole thing, because solving the whole thing is harder. Um, And especially, you know, we haven't mentioned the words AI yet, which is almost criminal. Um, You know, how can we use AI not to sort of tell kids a story? Because there's probably enough storybooks in the world. Um, How can we not use AI to sort of render out an image of a sort of giraffe with a post office for its legs? Um, How do we render out receipts that we've lost? You know how do we how do we do our expenses how do we do uh, timesheets like how do we um, how do we automate um, elements of our life which are actually incredibly boring and uh, ideally wouldn't have to, to happen you know I, I don't see people working on things like this
0: well I do, I do think there's people working on it I think unfortunately none of them are set up to be Decacorns so they don't make the news you have to go yeah. look pretty hard yeah right but like I, I get excited I mean, obviously I work in the AI video space so I'm a little tainted on this subject but you know, specifically, I get excited about AI from a product standpoint because of what it means that people are going to build. So back to what you were saying earlier about like not valuing ideas, but instead valuing pedigree. Yes. The, the thing that AI, I think, is going to offer, the biggest thing that AI will offer in the next three to five years, my my bet, if I had to put a long bet on this, is that you're going to put power back into the people with little ideas. Gotcha. Because now all of a sudden you've got Copilot and GitHub and you've got all these cut like all these amazing platforms that can just go build stuff i mean the stuff that you can do with like Airtable and zapier is nuts yeah right and so now all these people that don't have computers this like science degrees who didn't go to columbia who didn't go to mit but by the way great schools good on you yeah but like there's all these people who just had a little problem that they wanted to solve because they can't figure out scheduling their kids soccer practice or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. you're just going to get all these micro apps again. Like we're going to go back to that sort of world again, where all these mm-hmm. little problems are getting solved and we just need to figure out how to like promote them. I think, and, and get them out and like permeate them as like really meaningful, good idea businesses that don't need to be bigger than what they are. They can just solve the thing. Point yeah. solution problems are going to be like a big thing for the next two years. Cause you're going to have a lot of people who all of a sudden can solve a very specific problem that they otherwise could never even talk about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that makes complete sense. That's, that's exciting.
0: Yeah, that part, I that, I actually think that's going to be the coolest thing that we'll see. Because listen, the larger companies on paper are going to struggle to figure out what they can and can't do with AI, specifically the generative stuff, because it's a litigative nightmare. Yeah. Like, you can't do, I mean, j- just the idea of commercial use and AI on, on the same legal like document will give most lawyers a heart attack. Mm-hmm. So I think we're a long way from seeing that, but rapid iteration and rapid improvement and like rapid production of like these smaller point solution products, I think is really exciting. But we also need that that, that is that incumbent on the bigger folks in that space to make those tools available reasonably so that people can use them and they don't gatekeep them and they don't make it again, like building some proprietary language that nobody can code in again so
1: mm-hmm. that
0: you wind up with these like weird little offshoots where you have to go to boot camp to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> So with what do you, what gets you excited? Like when, so you, you know, you, I, I love that you're, I don't think you're a contrarian. I, like I said, I think you're a curious person who asks a lot of questions. And I think when you see holes in spaces, you're, you're willing to, to go into them, even if it means getting flack from it, which I appreciate about you and I'm yeah. willing to give you flack for some of it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, my, what appears to be a sense of misery is actually just frustration because, um, I mean, I really get excited by everything. You know, I get excited because you land in Brazil and then you realize that you can do everything with WhatsApp um, and, you know, you're there sort of like booking things and moving things and changing things and getting quotes for things, you know, in English, using Portuguese translation on WhatsApp. And you think, you know, how is it that I'm getting better customer service in, you know, a tiny little field where I've parked my car in Caraiva um, than I do in sort of New York. So I, I find everything exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm going to sort of steal some of of what you just said and and sort of pretend it was me that said it first but I think I think the I think any time that technology um becomes distributed and embraced and that areas are sort of democratized it always leads to abundance and I think that that process of new fresh people who perhaps don't have the same way of thinking experimenting that always creates really interesting situations so I think I think the the sort of flurry of activity in AI will be really, really interesting. Um, I do think the problems are always medium sized. Like it, like it, it's, it's easy to make something tiny and it's easy for it to be bought by a big company. But sort of getting something from small to medium to large is, is really challenging. Um, there's an area that I don't know that much about that I keep on meaning to learn more about, which is sort of containerized constructs in a way. Um, so everything from something like APIs to sort of microservice layers. Um, You know, how can you start to build things in modular ways, um, which are more like ecosystems? Um, You know, you know, when you're sort of on um, on Augusto or um, some sort of SaaS platform and you see integrations um, or, you know, how sort of open banking in the in the European Union has sort of worked where you're not so much building a site so much as a sort of recipe. Um, I think there's something fascinating there you know what happened if my phone you know what happens if all of my transactions were sort of linked to other transactions so that you know at any one time I could see what I own in the world and when the extended warranty is about uh, um, expire what happens if I could see how big my clothes were just because it was metadata and a receipt. Um, what would happen if you could um, see how many calories they were in food that you've eaten? Because you could see all the the data from all the items that you bought. You know, I'm not saying those are good things, but what happens when we start to approach problems in that kind of way, where we think about how things work together? Um, and I I do um, in the year sort of 2005, I worked on an ad campaign for Nokia called "The Web Joined Up," and I do think there's something fascinating about things sort of scraping and being repurposed and orchestrating around you and even when you do tiny little things like you sort of try and log into a website and you invariably have to type in the note the number that just got texted to your phone but you realize you can do it sort of automatically on on your laptop still there are little moments of magic like that where you can start to see how the sort of future is going to be sort of composed around us Um, and it makes me feel really excited actually
0: yeah. I, I had a similar thing today. Like there's little things that Apple does really well. One of them is like when you copy something on your desktop and then you can paste it using your phone without telling the two things that, like every time, like I know how that works, by the way, yeah. Yeah. And I still feel like it's a magic trick. I'm like, that's just so great. Like <laughs> yeah. when, when those things work or like what in the Apple thing, like anytime that you can share a password with somebody who's in your house for the first time, uh, when maybe, that works. Oh,
1: yeah. When it works, <laughs> Yes. No, it's amazing. Yeah. I think that's what I find quite interesting about this moment in time is that there are, we live in the the world of like unbelievable magic, just things which are extraordinary and then sort of gross incompetence all at the same time, you know. So, sort of, you know, in in all areas, you know, one minute you sort of get onto the plane with your face and the next minute you have to sort of, you know, you pay with your your fingerprint, but then you also have to like sign your, your, your paper with a pen to show it's you. You know, one minute you're, you know, seeing someone, you know, invent some incredible new form of, um, I don't know, like uh, advanced engineering and the next minute the UK can't figure out where a railway should go, um, you know, one minute, you know, you, you try and get like an insurance policy in this country and you type in your 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 email and somehow magically they know what cars you own. And you think, yeah. wow, how on earth is America able to build like an IT system that, that knows what car I, I own? But also, you know, when you try and file taxes, you know, you just know that your paperwork's going to be sat in a canteen until <laughs> El Paso, you know, between, you know, you might just not get a refund because, like, someone spilled the ketchup, you know, on your tax refund, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, I, that's the thing I think about a lot, specifically when it comes to, like, there's certain sectors, education is the one that's the biggest to me um but the the entire legal sector is just there's there's some really good companies trying to automate some of that stuff but like the amount yeah. of things that still require pen and paper when you're like there's no way that this is how we're doing this right like yeah. oh, if yeah, you buy yeah. a house you're like this can't be real
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 or even just like weird things you have to do like you have to sort of write like a letter recommendation for someone and you're like <laughs> Can you just I just like Google them. Like, you know, <laughs>
0: yeah. Do you
1: really expect someone to take the time to write a letter? You know, like it's sort of comes from like another era. You, know, you need like, yeah. a sort of, like a quill.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like the idea of you with the quill, like a a really nice thin quill with a big feather and the whole thing. That was right. From the desk of Thomas Goodwin. When I finished
1: writing my book, I thought it was going to feel like that. I thought it was just going to be me at a sort of leather bound desk with sort of walnut furniture. And I'd sort of put my quill away. And that would be my book done. Um, but no, you end up just sort of emailing a manuscript and someone says, yeah, that's fine.
0: Yeah. Can I, I actually have a very random question for you, but I've always wanted to ask you this and I might as well do it on air. Yeah. When you finished your book, what was the, what was like, if you could succinctly put it into one word, how you felt when it was done, what did you feel?
1: Uh, dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you said one word, but it, like it was loads of terrible emotions at the same time. Just, um Yeah, enormous sense of embarrassment, um, a sense of just despair, um, just this real sense of like just you've given up on it. I felt like I'd sort of run a marathon badly and then sort of collapsed on the finishing line. And like there was no one there to be like, well, at least you ran it because it was just like you've done this so slowly and so badly, you know, you should have just stopped. Um, But Which doesn't mean that I didn't think the book was good when I read it again. But at that moment in time, as you know well, you've been carrying this in your head for such a long time. Yeah. You've sort of forgotten why you started. Um, The idea, you know, I hate books. The idea that that someone's gonna read my book is a sort of horrible feeling because I feel like I'm wasting their time probably. Um, But then you actually end up reading it again a bit later on and you're like, actually, this is really good. This is really helpful. This really needs to exist. Um, I obviously sent it to you just to make sure that you would, um, you know, take the cues that you had to say nice things and you did. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, like when people actually read it, when humans actually read it, and they say it's good, it's this amazing sense of, of pride when that happens. So. Yeah, I
0: yeah. find it like of all the things that I've built in my career professionally. Yeah, the book I think is a very uniquely terrifying experience.
1: Yeah, it's, it's horrible. Yeah, because
0: yeah. it is really personal. Even very though I'm not writing about personal things, but it's it, it,
1: yeah,
0: and it feels extremely vulnerable. And yes. I thought when I finished it, I would feel like this amazing sense of either accomplishment or relief. And no. instead, I felt horrible.
1: <laughs> no, really? Like, horrible. Like, you just feel sort of dirty and yeah. like shamed. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and trust me, I read your book and it's really good. But the, the vulnerability is something I don't think people realize because, you know, what we have both written are not dry, sort of you know, manuals on seven tips to succeed. Like, it's our soul. Like, you know, you've written about things with a real sense of humor. Like, you're offering your opinions on stuff in your book. Um, And there's an enormous sense of vulnerability, Um, especially if you're being interesting and talking about things that matter. Like, it's quite outrageous, really, that, you know, morons like us sort of have the audacity to kind of say, you know what? I think everything about product design is wrong. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, it's all the whole time.
1: Yeah, and it's not even imposter syndrome. It's just like, that's not how it's supposed to be. Um, but it turns out, you know, after reading your book, I think you're right. You know, it turns out that we're not morons. So.
0: Well, I appreciate that. and I, I, I really do. I want it on recording how much your encouragement meant to me during this process, <laughs> because it really, honestly, Tom, if it wasn't for you, it never would have happened. Like I just, I couldn't do it because I respect your opinion so much. I respect your brain so much. And one of the things that I, I I hope people, well, one of the things I hope people get either from this, but like if I could give the only piece of advice that I'll actually give on this particular episode is get someone in your life. Like Tom is to me where I know if I made something shit, he'd tell me.
1: Yeah. 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 Like if you
0: really didn't like a thing, you'd be kind. You wouldn't be mean to me, but you would be like,
1: how you express these things but yeah
0: but and you have done that to me before like i've come to you with stuff and ideas and you're like that's an interesting thought well
1: (laughs) being english it's normally in the tone of my voice it's like well
0: uh, i like it yeah (laughs) i see where you're coming from but all right well before we end i want to so i have nine questions which i love you and i sent to you but i bet you didn't look at them so it's going to be even more fun I, did. I don't remember seeing them. <laughs> <laughs> did them? a while ago, but it's fine. Yeah. But they're easy, they're fast. So, this is Bernard Pivo's questionnaire that James Lipton did on Inside the Actors Studio, but I've turned it into a little bit of a business thing. So, it's, it's yeah. they're quick, single answer, fast stuff. Okay. So, what's a quote or a concept that you love?
1: Uh, there's a book called uh, Reimagine by Tom Peters, and I, I love that. So, coming to something and just challenging all the assumptions that held people back before.
0: Okay. What's a quote or a concept that you dislike or hate?
1: Um, I mean, pretty much everything that's sort of common wisdom, you know, anything ever said by someone like Gary Vee, anything that's on a sign in TK Maxx's sort of bargain bin, you know, just things like, you know, you can do it or follow your dreams or just sort of stuff that is it, sort of dangerous in, in its sort of banality. Yeah. Love that.
0: All right. What's a job other than your own, you would love to have?
1: Uh, I'd quite like to be a, like a builder, like literally make things in my hands.
0: Yeah,
1: um, yeah.
0: Yeah. What's a job other than your own you would never want?
1: Um, you know what? Like you, you can't answer these things in this way without sounding like a smug git. But like it's amazing really that I've got this job because there are not that many others that I could have, you know. Like th- this idea that, you know, if you took like an average job, like if you sort of, you know, If a a plane sort of suddenly dropped urine from the sky and it landed on someone in an office, like it's probably going to be doing something that I'd get fired from doing very quickly. (laughs) Um, And I think, you know, that doesn't mean I'm very lucky, but it means that you have to work quite
0: hard and be really lucky at the same time. That's fair. All right. What turns you on spiritually, creatively, or emotionally?
1: Um, You know, I I realized that um, I love amazing design, actually. Like um, I've got a sofa that every time I look at it, like it makes me sort of oddly excited about sitting on it yeah. um you just see things with like an aesthetic and we don't talk about this enough but you go to like bali and you see how they sort of craft things um you know materials that have like inherent quality like um composition craft like um, we should talk about these things more in the modern age
0: yeah i agree i have a record player that does that every time i look oh, at it it makes me yeah, so yeah. happy <laughs> yeah
1: and these things, you know, we're not supposed to feel like this because it's sort of superficial and it's consumerist. But now it's like if if a record player makes you happy, great.
0: Yeah, so good. All right, what about uh, what turns you off spiritually, creatively, or emotionally?
1: Um, I th- I think um the degree to which we have conversations in a very superficial way, um, I, I small talk. You know, like I'm like I'm sort of allergic to small talk.
0: It's um, a, a great t-shirt. <laughs> it's
1: like yeah, this is neat to sort of get on by, you know, saying words. Like, let's have a real chat.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. What's a product that you absolutely love?
1: Um I have a speakers. And I know if you're like an audiophile, you think they're the kind of, you know, the big max of of uh, proper music. But for me and my limited taste, um they, they sort of send shivers down my spine. Um, so yeah, like, uh, I mean the app's absolutely awful, but it's slowly getting better. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, what's a product that you wish was better?
1: I mean, almost everything. Um,
0: I knew, I knew that was going to be your answer by the way. <laughs> um,
1: if, if there were two particular items, it'd be the microwave and the printer. Um, the microwave in particular, because I look at all the actually the microwave, the washing machine, and the printer. I'm like, I, I only know two buttons on the on the washing machine. This this is a British answer, but one of them is um, non-fast colored and the other one's quick wash. And there's all these other things, and I, I don't know why I don't know why it needs to be this complicated. And then there's the microwave, <laughs> and then like printers just never work. Like I've now bought five printers in the last five years because every time I move apartment, I have to get a new printer because it won't work with the new Wi-Fi. So
0: yeah, printers are terrible. Yeah. Uh, last last question. If you could solve, what what's one problem that you wish you could solve through technology? Um, I'm going to go off and on want to be quite preachy here, but oh, I yes, please do it.
1: I, I fundamentally think that almost everyone on the planet is a really good person, and they're all doing their best, and they're nothing like as ignorant as we think, and they're nothing like as filled with hate as we think, and somehow we've entered a sort of media construct where we create drama and we create barriers and we're training everyone to think that people who see any single part of the world differently to them um is either a complete and utter arsehole or sort of incontrovertibly stupid i don't even know if that's a word actually um and that seems like a really bad way to create a future society, you know, to sort of go into this with, with so much sort of anger and distrust and to sort of enjoy sort of showboating around how other people haven't got it because they think things are different to you. Um, so I don't think it's uh, the most obvious thing for technology to solve, but I do think it's something that technology has created. And therefore, I think there's hope. But yeah, no, I think all people are pretty much wonderful, and I think everyone is. Um, they're all born into their own realities, and they're all predisposed to have slightly different beliefs. But ultimately, we all agree on those things. So. I
0: love that. Uh, I am so grateful that you did this. It's Thank been you a lot of fun. Time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I always love talking to you, and we'll we'll do it more often. I was going to say
1: I- we could we could do this podcast again at some point if if um if people want to ask me more questions or. Or whatever. So
0: I would ha- I'd have you back as often as you do it, my friend. Daily <laughs> <laughs> show. All right, friend. Thank you for everything. Thank you for being a support system to me and, and a champion of mine, uh, specifically in my own head, where it's very scary to do so. So I appreciate it. Thank
1: that. you. I'm very proud to know you. And thank you to all your listeners because I, I assume your listeners probably have a certain uh, sort of fanboy attitude towards you. And I mean, are the same as
0: me. <laughs> Thanks, buddy.